Sometimes you have to step up despite the fact that there are weird things or bad things going on in your life or you're not in the mood for it. And that means you do the job despite the ups and downs of your mind. Hi, Philip here. Welcome back to Careers 2.0. Today, I'm speaking with Adam. Adam, like many of us, did a lot of things before he settled on his current career. He even found his face on a Samsung ad one time, absolutely by accident. Well, now he's a successful yoga teacher. And we talked about building a business that brings financial stability and building a life that brings fulfillment. I hope you'll enjoy as much as I did. I was thinking that I want to start actually with something kind of obscure, <laughs> obscure information that I found about you on your on your website, which is that um, you happen to be uh, temporarily and uh, face for Samsung in Portugal. <laughs> so I think it's a great intro for you and for your background to tell us how one becomes a Samsung face in Portugal. <sighs> well, this was this was kind of random actually. So I I've had multiple careers, and on the side when I was younger. I had a six-pack. I did some modeling. Like, it was never my career. You know, my career was going to be law. Then it was a charity sector. But, you know, when you're in your 20s and someone says to you, do you want to come and model? I was like, yeah, why, yeah, why not? Uh, so I did, I, did some, I did some of that. And uh, actually, weirdly, I didn't do a shoot for Samsung. I actually did a stock image shoot. Ugh. It was me and this girl walking around London, you know, as a couple, a fake couple, and it was just stock images and it was okay money, not a lot, but it was fine. You know, it's just a fun day out again for like a 23 yeah. year old, you know, pretending to like run around the building with a beautiful girl and why not? <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And actually, weirdly, I was holding an iPad and uh, uh. Was it? we were lying on the floor next to Big Ben. I was holding an iPad, looking at it. And then I came to Lisbon airport to do the marathon and at Lisbon airport on the baggage carousel <laughs> was me holding a Samsung. Oh, so they had no images. idea. Yeah, so I had no idea. <laughs> and obviously, they bought the images, which is actually yeah. me holding an iPad. Uh, and then, so I was doing the marathon, and like every, I, I kept seeing myself like on buses, on trams, all over the city. It was just my face <laughs> everywhere, but only in Portugal, it seems. Well, maybe you didn't travel far enough. Maybe you were hidden Asia. You you wouldn't know. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, right? my uh, I guess I'm I'm quite ambiguous in terms of where I look like I'm from. Uh, so I can maybe I could look Portuguese, I guess. <laughs> I guess I, I wouldn't know, but uh, but yeah, you mentioned there that you had many careers, and that's actually well, um, you, you you've done everything from boxing to law, right? Um, like you clearly are a multi passionate person, right? So I wonder if what you do right now, being a yoga teacher, is it like do you feel like it's a culmination of who you are, and it and and encapsulates you and your character, and you want to do it for the rest of your life, or you think that you're maybe giving up some things in order to focus on this business and, 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 and grow it. I think for you to be good at anything, so Oliver Berkman wrote a really good book about this, uh, his most recent book, he's a productivity expert, but then his recent book wasn't about productivity at all. It was about the fact that you have this limited amount of time in your life. It's mm -hmm. called whatever weeks, however many weeks the average person has. And for us to go deep in anything, whether deep in a relationship or deep in a job, deep in hobbies, we need to drop other things. 
we need we can't do everything we can't, if we want to go deep we can't if we want a true meaningful deep relationship with another individual we can't just go from partner to partner to partner to partner we have to put the work in the same with careers so yes there are other things i'm i miss boxing mm-hmm. uh, i miss you know managing a site and having lots of money to spend on that site not my money but that, other people's money i miss some things like that so so certainly there were things i've dropped that i did enjoy and do enjoy but equally, what's nice about not yoga teaching, but the career I have now, it's a mix of yoga teaching, influencing, content creating, podcast host. There's so many elements to it that it keeps me intrigued. And some of the stuff doesn't make money. The podcast doesn't massively make money. You know, and I often take photos of yoga teachers, not because I get them to pay me. I just enjoy it. You know, I enjoy, I, I really enjoy photography. Uh, so yes, I drop certain things, but equally... I have made this career diverse. It's not just me turning up and teaching yoga. There were many elements involved in it now. Do you have some sort of internal rule that you look at uh, whether when, when choosing things to focus on or to do, uh, thinking like, I don't know, 80% has to be business oriented and focused and 20 I can do things that even don't bring me money but joy. Do you look at it like this or you just go with the flow? I no, it's not going with the flow necessarily. Mm-hmm. I've just got quite a hard work ethic and it instilled in me from a young age. And I've always realized that if you want to make money out of a career, especially self-employed, some things won't make you money directly, but you need to do them anyway. So doing classes for free for a brand doesn't make you money, but gives you good exposure. Mm-hmm. Creating the podcast is a huge amount of work. But people get to know me and then people are then more inclined to maybe get to a point where they're willing to buy something off me. Uh, so my view is you just need to put the work, especially that you're new in an industry. And if you haven't got any big reputation or family connections or like, you need to put a huge amount of work in. And some of that will be unpaid because you're self-employed, but you just mm-hmm. have to push it as hard as you can anyway. In terms of work-life balance i i think the issue sometimes is when you enjoy what you do and you're self-employed finding work-life balance is really hard like harder than if you just have a full-time job mm-hmm. yeah, i think it can be really to, to work out where the divide is now this weekend we're at a festival teaching and then we also decided to do some live podcast chats but they it felt very much like a whole working weekend yeah uh it didn't really feel like we were relaxed at any point I mean, I, we didn't get the divide right we didn't say okay well this is now fun time it was all just kind of a bit of a mishmash and this mm-hmm. morning i haven't done any formal work i guess until recording this podcast but i've been going around the house i've been you know, doing a little post adding some things creating some real blah 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 but it it's it's hard to find that divide in a dream world if i was a writer or a like i think you've got more control of it you can say i'm going to write from nine o'clock to two o'clock that's writing time and everything else is me time when you have a job like mine that required you to be physically somewhere mm-hmm. it's a bit harder so although i'm self-employed i still have to commit to maybe eight yoga classes a week where i have to I, literally be in the studio yeah. or be traveling to the studio uh, or i need to do reels each day or i need to get podcasts out by a certain time so it's everyone who is self-employed is a very different type of self-employment uh do you use some sort of productivity system or you know like calendar time blocking or anything like that well i've tried many but again due to the fact i am commit it's almost like i have a part-time job that in in the sense that because i have to teach certain classes yeah. each week and i have to travel 
in that limited amount of free time, I would, again, love to say this time is for this, this time is for that, but ultimately I need to respond to the week. So this weekend, Mm -hmm. I have a four-hour training that I have to teach, uh, plus lots of admin leading up to that. So although I would love to be creating content for a training the week afterwards, what I actually have to do is spend the time creating training. So it's it's very different. But yeah. in terms of what I do for time management, I, I I do use a few things. I In terms of apps that I use, just so I w- use one called Things, which is a great to-do list app uh, that I use heavily. I've used, I mean, I've used Evernote for a while, but I'm trying to transition to Notion. But I need to just sit down with that for a while. You know, whenever you whenever you try and create any kind of new kind of second brain, it takes a long time. You need to almost have like a week <laughs> to do that. Well, some people, and I'm talking about myself, spend more time setting up productivity systems than actually being productive. So you know, you just you just don't have the time to to, to do it. And that's a danger, I think. It's a danger, you know, following lots of productivity yeah. experts on Twitter. Right. You got all the knowledge in the world. We need to do some stuff. Uh, exactly. I think often people don't do the doing. They expect to read all the tweets and read all the articles and expect the magic to appear. And you know, you get sucked into different things. I think the the key for most people who are self-employed is to do more, even if it's at seventy percent. Do the thing. There are many excuses for not doing the thing, but you just need to do the thing. Totally. But by the way, I'm speaking with you, but you are part of a powerful duo basically <laughs> like me actually so you have your wife holly and you are life partners and you're in a way business partners as well right yeah. um and i wonder like i'm in a similar situation and i love it uh but a lot of my friends they don't they don't understand it they ask me like where is the where's your space where's the divide you know um the, the the boundaries how do you set them and now especially for you you have a young child you have business you have home together and now you have a child how do you how do you collaborate and was it like a natural thing for you or you had to work on it to, to get there so we we don't work together in the extent that like we run a business together mm-hmm. per se we have joint events we have joint retreats you know the podcast to some degree we do together but really that's just holly showing up and having the conversation yeah uh but when we do work on a joint project for instance a retreat we split the roles very clearly. Yeah, and it and it brings you into this common understanding, I guess, of the world and what you want from your lives, right? So, yeah. so, so it's. But okay, let's let's talk business. So, as you mentioned yourself, you started yoga classes, and it sort of maybe not snowballed, but it grew into a career and a business. Uh, I wonder how that translates into online business. Uh, so, what part? When did it become online? lead generation or client generation be, become more be, became more important and if you're trying to make it actually a bigger part expand in the online world so the intention yeah was never to be an instagram celeb we're like but more and more opportunities came up that over time i ended up kind of teaching around the world doing retreats doing workshops uh and social media was just there to bolster that and actually i didn't really make as much effort as i should in building a mailing list my mm-hmm. website always looked good but I just, things were just coming to me and you know, I was just accepting it and it just kept snowballing. The, the, the way I went online for my own business, I'd been on lots of online platforms, was literally when COVID started. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I missed, like all, within two days of lockdown, I had an online platform. I, I, just before shops closed, I went to a camera shop and bought a Fuji X-T3 
and a ninja and i didn't even know what a ninja was but i kind of knew i needed it so it's a very quick learning curve in two days um you know initially like the space we had wasn't appropriate because we were in a small flat mm -hmm. and like to get the camera far enough away to fit a six foot one person doing yoga in <laughs> was quite an effort we set up the online platform and i'll be honest i haven't always been the best at the sales side of things so it's not particularly yogic i guess and i've always had enough opportunities come my way but now i'm thinking about it more because i'm seeing that actually yoga workshops aren't as popular as they used to be mm -hmm. people you know, people doing a lot more online people don't have the money etc yoga classes are quieter than they used to be and i don't live a life now where i want to be walking around a city all day every day mm -hmm. but when you say sales what do you mean by that you mean just creating content uh, that that promotes your products or no so not the content creation it's more the sales language mm -hmm. there are a few elements so a few elements i'm working on at the moment So number one is trying to find my voice in terms of being pushy with sales. That's really not natural. I'm the kind of person that hates asking people for favors. Mm -hmm. Would rather do everything myself than ask anyone for anything. So to you know to use sales tactics in that sense, like the language, is, yeah. it feels awkward to me. So it's finding my voice there. And you know, despite creating so much content, because again, I've never really needed to. I haven't been that good at lead generation. And again, I'm boosting that now. I, you know, doing the free workshops online to pull people in, trying to create some free content. Uh, part of that has because I've committed too much of my time to doing stuff in person. So before COVID, yeah. I was often teaching 20 plus classes a week all around London and almost every weekend teaching in a different country. That's not a lot of time to sit at a computer. And even now, I'm in, I'm, I'm in London for, like, from 6am to 10pm, flat out, pretty much mm -hmm. two and a half to three days a week okay with, and any gap i have is very inefficient and then when i'm at home i want to be with my child so actually dedicated computer time is really hard for me to find but i know how important it is where do you see yourself going is it more teaching yoga online or helping other teachers uh, become yoga teachers like well, i do trainings and i've done trainings all over but the aim now is to convert more of those trainings to being online mm -hmm. uh, and it's attracting people that are interested in me and resonate with me and it could go multiple ways it could you know i could start working with more men i could start going down kind of more motivational speaking style stuff i'm not entirely sure the world is changing a huge amount and we have to try and diversify as best we can you know especially the dad now and a dad that wants to provide for the child but a dad that also wants to spend time with a child that's really important i think it's more important than the money is actually being there around my son that's yeah. all i'm desperate to do is be with him uh so the balance to be found but you know you're, you're mentioning um learning sales language and maybe transitioning into motivational speaking um but what you do i, I just really hope you will not lose what you're doing right now because your humor and your personality that shines through your your content is absolutely amazing and it has I thank you for saying that. And that, that is key for me. I did uh, an Instagram course. Although I'm competent in Instagram and I teach Instagram trainings myself, uh, you know, I saw someone else do a course. Oh, let's do their course. You know, they were doing well, like exponential growth. And but what it seemed, and, and it, it was very salesy. And what it was mainly, do, he was mainly doing is taking motivational quotes or ideas, yeah. repurposing them in a very like 
Americanized way, although he's Australian. And it was almost like he was then training people to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like a bit of a pyramid scheme in a weird way. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna. You know, then there's so much on Instagram at the moment. People saying, "I'm going to tell you how to make six figures by delivering a course that tells you how to make six figures." So you can then teach courses that tell people how to make six figures. And no one's actually contributing to the world. Everyone's. <laughs> that's the thing. Yep. And that's what I really struggle with a little bit. And you know, I did a video, what one video in that style, and it didn't do well, and it didn't feel like me. And maybe my wife said it doesn't even sound like yeah. it. Uh, so. And so I think my view is that when you're in a public-facing role like this, mm-hmm. you are your main USP. You are your main niche. Your personality is your niche. Some people won't like you. Some people will. But you need to make the most of the people that do like you and do resonate with you. I wonder whether the content that you are making right now, um, whether you're thinking that, let's say, the humor, the you had a very recent viral video, 500,000 views, I think. That was phenomenal. Um, um, and I wonder... When something like this happened, do you think, okay, I need to make more content like this? I need to be funny now. I need to make jokes, even if I don't feel like it. Like for me, and I've talked about this quite a lot it, in my trainings, uh, is that we are professionals. And when you are professional in any kind of industry, whatever that is, whether that be creating content or teaching yoga or whatever, sometimes you have to step up despite the fact that there are weird things or bad things going on in your life or you're not in the mood for it. You just have to turn up and do your thing. Uh, So sometimes I don't really feel like I want to do a funny reel, but my job is to create content that entertains but also educates. And so I do that. And and this whole idea is that you need to enjoy every element of your job, I think is ridiculous. Obviously, there's going to be parts of the job that you don't love. But once you decide to be professional in whatever domain you're in, act like a professional in it. And that means you do the job despite the ups and downs of your mind. That's a harsh truth. <laughs> you know, a lot of people come into a, let's say, content creation, audience building as a sort of uh, answer for all their uh, problems connected with work uh, and think that this is not work. This is basically uh, fun on wheels, uh, which it's not necessarily is, right? Yeah, it's hard. Like, that's what I find brand partnerships hard sometimes, just being mm-hmm. able to think of something that is both works for them and equally resonates with my audience uh and you know that it can be quite stressful like thinking of what to create and it's different for everyone there's some people uh i I recently met a group of like fashion influencers Mm -hmm. and their life seems so easy i could be wrong but it's just like they wear clothes and it's like i I don't get it like i'm you know but i'm geeky about cameras so i follow camera geeks Mm -hmm. and lots of people won't get that but you know when i see like these fashion people (laughs) it's just like walking around london and taking like five photos of different angles of them like drinking some coffee and yeah, well, it gets so much traction uh that seems like an easier life because they don't have to i guess they're not equally trying to provide a service yeah. the issue comes when you're trying to influence or be an influencer make money from that but also you are another type of professional you're a yoga teacher or you're i don't know whatever you're uh, a digital photographer you know, a wedding photographer because you need to make sure you're still serving your main audience as well as doing the influence of each stuff. Absolutely. And you have to work on that. And I wonder, um, you mentioned repurposing content. And I think uh, what 
the guy of the course that you have taken, uh, it seems to have confused repurposing, which in my mind is taking your content and maybe changing a format to much different yeah. platform or long form, short form, rather than just stealing other people's ideas. Um, do you repurpose your own content? Uh, I, I've seen people do it successfully, you know, something worked for them and they even post the same thing. There was a wonderful book called Steal Like an Artist, which is wonderful. And it talks about kind of that idea. Uh, so I don't think it's that you shouldn't you know, use other people's ideas and make them your own and you know, see them through your own lens. You know, it's probably been a long time since anyone had a truly original idea. It's more that don't share stuff. Just I, you know, I never share stuff for the sake of sharing it. Like if I, if I, I might see a nice quote, but if it doesn't resonate with me and my audience and isn't really something that would come out of my mouth, I'm not going to just use it for the sake of using it especially if it's not the kind of words I would normally say. But it might inspire me to do something else. In terms of repurposing my own content, yeah, so what I might do, let's say, is I might, like the other day, I did five, uh, listed five points on social media of how a yoga teacher can thrive in an unexpected way. Then I will use that in a newsletter as well. Then at a later point, I might use that same content to create a video. And in the future, I might use that same content to create a longer form video. Uh, so that's how, and then, then in the year, I would just redo exactly the same post, probably, and just throw it out there again, via it still resonates with me. Uh, and then I will you know, use that same video or whatever it is on YouTube and then Twitter and then. So that five points I did yesterday, I didn't put it as a whole thing on Twitter or threads. I just took each one and just mm-hmm. put it up there as like a quote. So I think you can be intelligent with how you use it in that sense. Right now, you're selling high ticket uh, offer, which is around two grand for uh, your service and your online course. But then you have also the membership, which is 25 bucks per month or something like that. And I wonder the logic behind it, if one of them is sort of like the first step that leads people to the other, or those are two separate things and that's not how you look at them. No, I think certainly one can lead to the other. I think often though, you know, my my main thing is for yoga teachers. My main like high ticket courses are for yoga teachers. So many yoga teachers might not want to be part of an online platform. They probably have access to enough yoga anyway. Some mm-hmm. are. You know, there are lots of yoga teachers on the online platform. But it at least means as well that people in other cities can get to know me a little bit more. They can just you know, commit to it for one month and get to know a little bit more about my teaching. So it is useful to have the online platform. The online platform has existed for a few years, but I've really not promoted it. The, all the podcasts, actually, the reason being I was never fully happy with how it looked. Uh, and I've never been fully happy with the fact that when I post about it on social media, you know, it does worse. Mm-hmm. Even the podcast tends to do a little bit worse uh, when I post about it on social media. That's why I have a different account. So yeah, so one thing leads to the other, but equally so in my classes and retreats. If people come to a class or a retreat or a workshop, the hope is that they're willing to then come to something high-ticketed. Yeah. Um, your link in bio... I always look at link in bio as a thing that's sort of a chart of what is most important to the creator. And now, you know, the newsletter is to- number one for you. So yeah. why is that? Why do you think email marketing is something that you should be focusing on? Do you see the clients? I want to rely less and less on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have data that I can control, as it were. So social media is great, it's fine. But, you know, I, I'm subject to the algorithm. So what I want is to make sure that I have people that are genuinely interested in me. You know, people are going to leave at any point they want. Yeah. But I want to make sure I have, an, I have something where people that are very interested in me can connect with me. 
And I've got about a 60% read rate. Wow. Which isn't bad. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do do you see business already coming from there or that's something that you're only building up? I'm not tracking it at the moment, but I think certainly anyone who is interested in Mm -hmm. the things I do enough to spend money on it is going to be on my newsletter. Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, let's do... um, Quick fire. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes. Every every podcaster's favorite part. Let's do a quick fire round. All right. Short questions, short answers. All right. Are you a team player or lone wolf? Lone wolf. Take risks or carefully calculate? Carefully calculate. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Who inspires you most? At the moment, uh, someone called Chris Williamson. Uh, I've had him on my podcast years ago. I know I've known him for a long time. When I met him for the first time in person, like he wasn't doing that well. But his work ethic is just insane. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to that. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I seem spa owner, but spa as in like sauna and ice baths, not like nails and face. <laughs> Got it. Um, what is an underappreciated business tool that you couldn't live without? Underappreciated business tool that I couldn't live without? Bizarrely, I think an ice bath in that just something to wake you up that isn't coffee. What's your productivity life hack? Don't let your email inbox be your to-do list. And what does success mean to you? I think success is living a life that makes you content and not having to need to escape on vacations. It's, uh, and, we, and we're doing that now. Whenever we go away, we're excited to come home. We love our home. It's not the biggest home in the world. It's not, you know, it's not full of expensive things. But we love our garden. We love where we live in the world. And there is nothing we're ever trying to run away from. And that's a beautiful ending. Thank you, Adam, so much for joining me and sharing, sharing your story. And I wish you all the best. It sounds to me like you are successful already in the way that you're trying to live your life. It's, it's very inspirational. And thanks for, for sharing with us. No problem at all. Thanks so much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you to Adam and thank you for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.